Hello! Welcome to Center Saint Sister. This is a space where spirited, hurting, searching, faithful people come together and ask hard questions and listen to some really wise people share about how they have lived life deeply. If this episode spoke to you, I hope that you leave a review and subscribe. You can visit YouTube slash Allison Sullivan for some really fun extras. I hope you hear something today that lets you know you are loved and helps you love one another. Welcome to Center Saint Sister. My husband and I, over a decade ago now, we moved home to Texas. Well, my home. After years of of bouncing around, we were going to start our real, grown-up, not ever moving anywhere ever again life. And even though we were ready to move, and we knew that our last home was temporary in Minnesota, it grieved us deeply to leave it. There would be so much to miss about Minnesota. In so many ways, it was there that we learned how to be grown-ups, That freezing little town enveloped us, and it nurtured us in our young marriage. Being married took on new meaning as we navigated those first years of what it truly meant to become one on a deeper level than just playing house. We learned that love was something tried and true and not something glittery or gold. We brought two babies home to the first home that we ever owned, and we watched them learn to smile and laugh and walk and talk between those walls. I will never forget the layout of that house those rooms and halls where my babies played their first games. We had wonderful neighbors who came over for parties and tolerated our rascal dogs who did not understand property lines when it came time to going number two. They took care of us as my husband worked crazy hours finishing his medical training. They would bring over dinner and shovel our drive. Minnesota was a great start. And to this day, I viscerally miss the way the air smells in fall and the way the sky looks before a snowstorm. But all that there was to grieve, the biggest loss, would definitely be no longer living minutes away from the girlfriends that I made while I was living there. The best way to describe what I had with that circle of women was true. It was not always pretty, but it was always true. I celebrated my place in that circle. There's really nothing romantic about it. We were just a bunch of moms living life together, but we did it well. We shared each other's special moments and endured each other's mundane. We walked into each other's kitchens and put away the dishes without having to ask where anything went. And then we went to the fridge and asked why we were out of flavored creamer. We fought. We cried. We laughed until we couldn't breathe. We hated and then forgave each other's siblings and parents and spouses. We disciplined each other's children and we did each other's laundry, boxer shorts and all. We ran each other's errands and fed each other when the going got tough. Our kids wore each other's clothes and caught each other's colds. We shared prayer requests, menstrual cycles, joys, and frustrations in that very precious moment in time. And I wept an ugly weep pulling away in the moving van. They were why. But we were moving home. We were going to Texas, the only place that I had ever called home. Sunsets, rodeos, blue bonnets, friendliness, manners, barbecue, pickup trucks, wide open spaces, country music, fried food, home. I didn't know if it was unrealistic expectations or the stage of life that I was in or the high bar that my girlfriends in Minnesota had set, but making friends once we moved, it wasn't happening with timely ease. I expected to fall into new friendships as if friendship was this one big thing instead of a million tiny things. And I sulked. I felt lonely. And I missed my life. 
All of our stuff was there, but that feeling of home wasn't. And if you would have told me 10 years earlier that I would be homesick for a frozen tundra when I couldn't even pinpoint it on a map five years before, I would have told you you were crazy. And so I realized something profound for me at the time. And it was that home isn't a pinpoint on a map. It's a community where people love one another with kindness and commitment. Home isn't a place. It's a people. It's a feeling. Luckily, kindness and commitment, they're things that we can take with us wherever we might go. But the bottom line is that there's work to do. If home is what I was after, I couldn't sulk for too long. It's natural and good to mourn something beautiful when it ends. But when does mourning become moping? We can start the idea of home over anytime we choose, really. We can walk around the block with an easy invitation, a story, some kindness, and commitment. Amy Hannon has taught me the holiness of this. You will love her approach to home and all that it means. Pink Salt Riot creates products that are created to be reminders to show up authentically as we are and live into the mission that God has exactly for us. Pink Salt Riot creates jewelry and greeting cards and lifestyle goods and gifts that anyone who loves Jesus would love. All of these products are made with the hope of pointing us back to radically standing in the truth about what God says about us and that we are worthy exactly as we are. We can anchor our daily lives to God's love and faithfulness. And you guys, Christmas is just around the corner. I know that there is something perfect for someone you care about at Pink Salt Riot. Follow them on Instagram and TikTok or PinkSaltRiot.com. Hello, Amy Hannon. I am so excited to welcome you onto the show. You are a hospitality expert. You are a gatherer of people, a mother and a mm-hmm. wife. And you have a kitchen boutique and a cooking show and a lovely book called Gather and Give. And I can't thank you enough for saying yes to be here. Oh, this is a treat. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. So I listened to your book, Amy, and because moms are multitasking wizards, um, I did it while I was caring for my house. And I have to tell you that I have never necessarily done a load of, of laundry and then sighed wistfully. I'm caring for my house right now. You know, but there was something about the way that you were putting things. There was something about the way that you were describing your space. I loved it so much when you said, what God has given me, I share with you. And it was probably your accent too, I have to say, but there was something about, (laughs) there was something about listening to you while I was doing all these things that I really do feel like something inside of me shifted regarding my home and hospitality. I cannot wait to hear more from you. But first, as a way of introducing yourself to listeners, can you tell us a little bit about who and what you love? Yes, of course. Well, I um, I am a pastor's wife. We've been on staff at the same ch- Bible church in Northwest Arkansas for almost 30 years, which is God's kindness and favor. I mean, yeah. we know as well as anyone that that is not most pastors or full-time ministries, right. minister stories. And yeah. so we are very grateful. Um, so we're in a great church that we love, that we love to serve at and serve their people. And um I stayed at home with my kids and did design. I'm probably a maker at heart, a creator, mm-hmm. designer at heart mm-hmm. with home as kind of the primary motivator, I guess you would say. So I did a couple of things here and there while I raised my kids and um, 
yeah, at 41, I asked the Lord, I said, gosh, I've got all this time on my hands now that my kids are bigger. Um, we had our babies young, you know, like they do in the South. We had our babies (laughs) young. So by 41, my kids were all driving. I know. Mm, Oh, Um, wow. Yeah. I know. And so I said, you know, what do you want to do? What do you want me to do with the season of my life that has kind of opened up a little bit? Yeah. And I never dreamed in my whole life that this is what he had planned for me. So in my forties, I have been able to, I've had a lot of opportunities that he's given me to speak into the realm of hospitality, of biblical hospitality, um, because it's my heart. I mean, it's my heart. I love yeah. using my home. I love, I love, well, what you were saying about your home and, and recall, you know, folding your laundry or mm-hmm. cleaning your home and how mm-hmm. it, it moved you a little bit mm-hmm. that we just, I just love to be able to remind women that serving is, is sacred and it's a special, beautiful call in our lives. And it's not demeaning. It's how Christ lived. And he called all of us yeah. men, women alike, no matter who you are, what, where you live and what your income is and what your yeah. realm, you know, however you live, we're all called to serve. So mm-hmm. somewhere along the way, we've made that some gross word that means you don't have any strength or power or dignity. And that's not true at all. And right. so I love being able to speak into the beauty and the calling of serving others and using yeah. our homes to do that as a primary tool of loving the world like Jesus would. And so, yeah, yeah I have a kitchen store and um, I love to be down there and, you know, folding tea towels and visiting with the women who are regulars mm-hmm. and then yeah. meeting the people who are new who are making it a destination shop. And um, I have my three adult children that live in the area. So we see them a lot, which I love. <laughs> we have dinner, you know, food will, food will get your big kids to come over because they're uh, hungry and poor. You. Always. Okay. Good to know. Yes. That's a tip. Got it's it. a tip. Yep. Yep. I am. I am um, not above bribery or strategy. No, yes. <laughs> I call it a motivate. I like to call it a motivator, but okay. yeah, it's a little bit of a manipulation, whatever. Whatever. Um, the end goal is pure. The end goal is pure. Absolutely. I want time with my children. So yes. Um, so yeah, my big kids are here and I work a lot and ride a lot and speak a lot and um host all kinds of curated events for women to to dish out hospitality encounters so I can serve it up and watch people get together and build connection and community and make a memory and awesome eat great food. So yeah. that's what I do. So we we can't have this conversation without starting. Um, with Unime. We need to oh, talk man. about Unime. Will you please tell us a little bit about her influence in your life and some of your first experiences regarding this? Oh, for sure. I mean, I have, I was actually talking to my mom and dad about this two nights ago. It's Unime is my dad's mother mm-hmm. and we lived across the street from her or within a couple of blocks of her, you know, walking distance my whole life. Like as long as I can remember, she lived near us and um, my cousins also lived in the neighborhood. So we just, we kind of had a little compound, a compound, yeah, (laughs) a compound of sorts. And, um, you know, she just always had her open door and she was always cooking or serving people or using food to care for, for the ones around her. And I mean, Mm -hmm. she, and it's so fun as I have opened the store since she has passed away. So -hmm. she doesn't know this. Although I like to think, sometimes I say to the Lord, I know that it's not even important anymore what's going on here in the world, but could you just whisper to her and tell her like all the neat things that you're doing in the lives of people in her name? I mean, I just, I wish, I wish that she knew. I don't, she doesn't, but anyway, 
Yeah, she just used food to care for people well. She had an open home. She loved to have her family there. She made and shared food for everyone. Um, and as as my brand has grown and her name has gotten around, people that knew her that uh-huh. I didn't know knew her have said to me, oh, one time I was ill and I wasn't able to come to church for weeks. And she came to my house every Sunday and brought me food and sat with me wow. or one time we were having a Sunday school class camp out for teenage girls and Yuna <laughs> showed up on the Saturday morning with her cast iron skillet and breakfast and made cast up like oh my made breakfast for those girls uh, around a campfire. Those are things she would have never told me. Yeah. And it's been so fun to really even hear more and more stories about how she really did use the ministry of hospitality, Gosh. We'll love yeah. people and serve people and you know, I just, I also learned how to cook from her. I watched her cook from scratch yeah. and loved it. And so, yeah, my, some of my fondest memories are, you know, times with our grandmothers are dear yeah. if we were fortunate to mm-hmm. have had them. And yeah, um, yeah she and I, what a legacy. Support. Yeah, oh, for sure. And That's she a- loved Jesus. And so we, it was not uncommon. As a matter of fact, the last call I had with her before she died, she called me on Oh gosh, maybe about five days before she passed away. And we just had a whole conversation. We talked about, um, it was in August when Arkansas tomatoes are their best. And so we (laughs) talked about how there's nothing like an Arkansas tomato. And then I just remember her saying, oh, this might make me cry. (laughs) She just said, I really don't know how people live their lives without knowing the hope of Jesus. Hmm. And that's my last conversation with her. And, Hmm. you know, that's, that's dear to me. I mean, that's a yeah. treasure. I feel like the Lord gave to me those things yeah. to hold on to. Food and faith are the is the last conversation I had with her. Yeah. I love that you're not just rolling around in that blessing, you know, and keeping it and hoarding it all to yourself, but instead you are just dispersing it as widely as you can. Mm. And the Lord has really blessed that. And, and so people are latching on to this message. I mean, you have a very large following and I would imagine that it's either because they are similarly gifted and really mm. enjoy uh, welcoming people the, the way that you do. Or Mm -hmm. it might be because we know that we're supposed to do these things, Mm. um, but it's so hard and we need help. And so do you have thoughts on, I mean, I would imagine you've spent some time thinking about, gosh, why is this going so well? You know, what is it um, that that is resonating so deeply? Um, And of course you're talented, but but what is it about this Mm. message that that has made it um, so resounding? Well, you know, you're a girl, I'm a girl. And I think one, and we're media people and the world is full of visual Mm, inspiration, mm -hmm. quote unquote, on what hospitality is supposed to look like. And I, and I think one of the things that is really striking a chord with people is very early on in my book, gather and give. And when I teach women, um, you know, at events and things like that early on, I go right to the difference between hospitality and entertaining. Mm -hmm. And I think that is literally, it lifts weight and pressure Mm -hmm. off of women because what we see is entertaining. Yeah. And that's you centered. And that is your ability focused. And that is, I'm supposed to be, do, cook, live, host a certain way. It's got to look like this. It's got to be pin worthy. It needs to be post edited and posted and put on social media for all to see. The hostess always looks 
beautiful and the food is beautiful and she clipped her hydrangeas and she's got all these things. And listen, I love beautiful things. I do. I love beautiful things. But I think what, I think why women are connecting with so quickly is the relief that they find in the hospitality of the Bible, that hospitality and entertaining are different Mm -hmm. and they are not one in the same and they are not interchangeable. They're really not. Um, You really think about loosely speaking, the world of entertainment, you put things into the world that yes, will benefit people's lives and, you know, make a difference, but really you're, you're kind of becoming someone you're not, or you're practicing something that you're trying to really put your best foot forward. And you really kind of want them to look at you, look at my work, Mm -hmm. look what I've done. Yeah. Um, And really biblical hospitality flips the focus and it doesn't say, look what I can do. It's what you just shared earlier. It's like what, what I have, what God has given me. Yeah. I'm sharing it with you. And so it flips the focus. It's so good. And I think there's a lot of freedom and relief that women feel that biblical hospitality is about people, not about presentation. And it is about connection, not perfection. And Mm -hmm. that is what we're dying from. I did it. I, I lived that way for much of the early years of my marriage. My invitation, my home, my hosting, my opening, my door was all about me and it's a miserable way to live. And I just would go to bed sometimes and think, Lord, I'm missing something. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think that women are really connecting with the idea that everyday biblical hospitality is not photogenic. Yeah. I love what you said. I I think that when we look at the entertainment that you just described, Mm -hmm. uh, someone like me can look at that and go, Oh, I'm not good at that. I don't have to do that. I can let someone else do that. Someone who's mm-hmm. gifted in that way. Mm-hmm. And and so therefore, I'm let off the hook. But right. when you talk about not entertainment, but when you talk about hospitality, I don't get to let myself off the hook because as you describe in your book, hospitality isn't a gifting, it's a command. And so I know. don't don't shoot the messenger. I didn't write it. <laughs> no. I know. I love it so much because you I do I just taught it. <laughs> I love your wherewithal. I love like your awareness because you know how this is going to make people feel. And you say it oh so kindly. You're like, okay, guys, I'm about to say something difficult. (laughs) You like prep us the whole way through. But you're like, yeah, right. (laughs) But hospitality is a command. Okay, tell us about that. Tell us about it It in your kind way. I'll tell it in my kind way. I'll crank up my Southern. (laughs) I'll crank up my Southern a little bit. Make it a little sugar, a little more sugary. (laughs) You know, I mean, here's the deal. Paul said it because God put it on his heart and he wrote it clear as day in yeah. Romans and he didn't sugarcoat. He just said You're so much nicer than Paul. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Paul's a beast. I'm I, yeah. Paul's a beast. We have a complicated I, relationship. Yeah. Yeah. With Paul. We love, love, hate. Um, uh, you know, he doesn't really leave any room to wonder. He says clearly practice hospitality it's a command in scripture. So all of your Bible study methods that we've learned, we take apart scripture and we dig around and we say, this was an exhortation. This was an encouragement. You know, I urge you therefore then my brothers to live a life worthy. That's a, that's a strong encouragement, Yeah. but he doesn't urge us in, in Romans. He says it practice hospitality and it's a command statement. And so, you know, I, when you think of it that way, 
it is a call on our lives. And then just the best part of it, this is what, you know, if you were to just take that command out of context and that makes your, you know, it makes your throat close off and you might hive, get hives on your neck because you think, I can't, I don't know how, I don't, whatever. Because hospitality in our minds is what the world has put before us. It's convinced us that hospitality looks like this. Yeah. But if you just back up in that passage, Mm -hmm. this is the beautiful part of it. This is what Mm -hmm. I love. Mm -hmm. You just back up in that passage. Paul is basically saying, love like this, be devoted to one another, show sincere love, share with what you have, share, share with others, what you've been given, um, be committed to one another, care well for one another. And then he says, practice hospitality. So in that in the passage of practice hospitality, instead of panicking at the command, back up and see what the purpose is. Don't we want to love one another? Don't we want to care for one another? Don't we want to build community and foster fellowship and build the faith? Do we want to share with others what we've been given? Well, yeah, we do. Yeah. As believers, we do. And mm-hmm. then Paul just ends that passage and says this, practice hospitality. Yeah. It's like, hey, believers, we need each other. We love the Lord. We love the people around us who may or may not know Christ. Um, The call on our lives is to love and care and nurture and nourish and feed and build community and connection and relationships. Here's how you can do that. Practice hospitality. Mm -hmm. It's the perfect setting for all of those things to take place. Mm -hmm. And so it's not nearly as scary when you back up and look at the whole passage where Paul commands us yeah. to practice hospitality, because the hope is precious and, and simple and easy for us. We want to care well for others, build friendship. So open your home, crank a Keurig cup. If you can't make us make a pasta sauce or boil pasta, if you can't boil pasta, you need to call me. I need, <laughs> I'll help you with that. That's real easy, but you can crank a cup of Keurig. It's yeah. pop it in pull it down yeah. and build relationships yeah. and just be the aroma of Christ. Smell like Jesus, be Jesus, speak grace and warmth and love and kindness into the lives of the people around you over a cup of coffee in your yeah. home. It's so much simpler. And I think that going back to what you asked, I think that is why women go, Oh, that's not what I've been told. That's mm-hmm. not what I see. Yeah. And I think somewhere in there, we long, we are all longing for connection. We mm-hmm. all want yeah. friendships. Yes. And, and we all want something for nothing. It's like, yeah. you know, <laughs> I yes. mean, th- there's, there's glory at, at the end of, of struggle. You know, it might be uh-huh. a struggle. It might be, um, dedication. It might be very intentional, but there's glory at the end of that, to mm-hmm. that, you know, absolutely. I, um, yeah, you know, absolutely. I, I feel like, um, on a, on a small scale, there's, there's the vanity, you know, there's, there's the vanity reasons that kind of keep us from this. Like you're, because you know, people so well, you know, women so well, you went through this list and, and this might not be the exact list that you gave, but you're like, but I have stained rugs, but there's a hole in my drywall, but I have a bad floor plan for entertaining. You know, um, you had all these examples of all the reasons that we might say, oh, you know, I, I don't, 
want to do this or, or this is hard or I'm not good at this. You know, you, you really understand that, that difficulty. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, that there is a larger scope, that there's a bigger reason to do it anyway. And the reasons I think, you know, that's the small scale, the vanity, mm-hmm. but I think there's a bigger scale of why we're not doing this. And I, I mm-hmm. wonder if a lot of it has to do with how, um, independent we've become, you know, how oh. isolated we become. I feel like, like um, our culture is becoming more and more, you know, these devices, you know, that are meant to connect us. It's like they they often just keep us separate and keep us in our own little corners. I mean, don't you remember, Amy, the excitement of of getting your driver's license? It was, it was oh. like, there was like freedom, you know? And it's like now parents are having to beg their kids to get their driver's license because they're like, what? My friends are right here. You know, they're right in my phone. And so um, I feel, but, and yet we know that there are significant gaps between uh-huh. online connection and this in-person connection. And and that's true for all of us, you know, not, not just young people, but there is Everyone. actual, yes, there is actual data that loneliness is is on the rise. There are actually statistics that the mm-hmm. quality of our social lives affects our brains, like our brain chemistry. We have proof that deep relationships are becoming more and more rare. And all of this research around loneliness, it shows us that loneliness is a symptom mm-hmm. that, that we're lacking something. You know, we are missing out on something. Um, I wonder if it's possible... That inviting people into our homes, if we're starting out at this point, inviting people into our homes is maybe like too big of a step. Is there like, what what do you, is there like a heart posture or something to maybe just start smaller? I mean, what do you have to, do you have anything to say about where we are and where we want to be and those in that in-between space? Yes. Okay. You literally said so many things. I got my phone out and started taking notes because that was so, there was so much good in all of that. And I'm going to try to hit on, I'm going to back up the bus really quick and go fast on a few. Okay. Number one. Yes. Everybody has a hole in their sheetrock. Everybody has a stain on their rug. Everybody has a couch cushion that they've had to flip. Everybody has lint on their lampshades. Everybody has dog hair or dust bunnies in the corners. Everybody has that. That's the way we live. And instead of, I mean, yes, you don't want to be gross or embarrassed, (laughs) but I mean, our ordinary is what is our common ground. We find common ground when we find people who are like us. When you go into somebody's home, that is perfect. I mean, there's not a pile of mail. There's not a pair of shoes to be seen. There's not a light bulb out in their six bulb chandelier. When you go into somebody's house and it's perfect, you know what? You might be in awe of the hostess or the home, but you may be missing the connection of, oh, they're like me. Yeah. And when you go into somebody's house and their mail is sitting beside the coffee maker and there's one pair of shoes tucked over in the corner or under the coffee table, and there is a light bulb out in the chandelier and there is a little dog hair in a corner, you think, oh, they're my people. And that's what right? It's or yes. And we here's, here's kind of this, if you could do like a little chart with like words and an arrow and a words and an arrow, like what yeah, leads yeah. to what yeah, since yeah. we're talking we to get that visual. Yeah. But 
common ground leads us to connection and connection builds community and community is relationships. Yeah. And we serve at a church that has always said that the gospel, which is the message of the love and the, of Christ and the fullness of life in Christ, that the gospel travels best on the road of relationships. So if the ultimate goal is to love Jesus and to be Jesus and to share Jesus, then if you go back down that relationships, community, connection, common ground, dust bunnies. Do you see what I'm saying? (laughs) Yes. I'm serious. This This is exactly what I was asking because you actually, you gave this really adorable example in your book of, of what it what it offers when you walk into someone's home. It's like, oh, I just saw the way that you interacted with your teenager. I just heard your dog voice. You know, it's your dog voice. I saw when you opened your pantry that you own a label maker. You're you're that girl. Yes. You're the girl who has a label maker. Yes. Or you've hired someone to come and do your pantry. Or you your pantry is a free for all. Yeah. It tells yeah. so much it about, tells about us. you. Yeah, it does. And that's you, what we want to be is that our ordinary becomes extraordinary yes. when we ask the Lord to get in there and do his thing. Okay. I want to be sure that we get to it. Okay. The other thing is too, yes, I believe independence. Cause you, you, that was so meaty. You're, that was all so beefy and good. Um, I do think that independence has become a way of life for us. And I, I think that somewhere in there, we have made that very noble. Mm. You know, it's kind of the word. It, well, like I was saying that serving in the world now is not, it's not cool. It's not what you do. You look out mm. for number one. Number one. You right. climb the ladder. You're independent. You don't need anybody, don't need anybody. because you're qualified mm-hmm. and all of that. And I'll tell you what, that's killing us. And that's what you were saying. It's absolutely mm-hmm. killing us. And then what happens is we are absolutely isolated and as lonely as we've ever been. And, you know, one of the things that I learned when I was writing this book is that there are certain European countries that actually had to hire ministers. It's a, it's an official position in their government boards that they had to hire ministers of loneliness because the, the epidemic of despair and grief and isolation was so great that it was palpable in their community, in their countries. And they said, we've got to figure this out. And do you know what, after all the research, all of the things, what their solution was for despair and anxiety and mental health and all of that community, yeah, hospitality, they were actually connecting people with other people. They were built, they were setting up dates more or less for people to be inside one another's homes to share a meal that hospitality became the answer to this global crisis. And it's no surprise that the root word of hospitality is hospital. It's where we go to be healed. My goodness. To be made well. I mean, it just gives me. Me too. Yeah. Thank you. Chills. Totally. Um, you know, it's where we go to be healed. It's where we go and to by be the way, up. Of course, an enemy, of course, an enemy is going to get all up in that. I mean, I, that was my <laughs> other thing, enemy, because hospitality is dear and it's strategic and it's what makes us well. It is medicine to yeah. us. And the enemy doesn't want us to be well. He loves 
fanning the flame of independence and isolation and pick yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, Jenny Allen actually has a book that came out in the first part of this year called Find Your People. And I mean, that's the, Mm -hmm. that's what she pounded. We were not made to do life alone. Yeah. Nowhere in scripture does it say that we're supposed to do life alone. Um, and when somebody was struggling or isolated or needed to be made better, the Lord brought them a partner, a buddy, help. And it just doesn't seem to be the cool way to do life, but we're feeling it. And mm-hmm. that is tragic to me. And that's mm-hmm. why, you know, here's what I pound over and over. We are I, got, I might cry again. I get these two. I, I get a weepy eye. <laughs> Just one. The world is primed for a hospitality revival. We are literally perfectly positioned to need one another, to need real relationships, to lean in, to share warmth, to do life together. Yeah. And when we go back to Paul, he said, he said it first, love each other, care for one another. Um, build relationships, build community, share with what, you know, with one another, um, what you have practice hospitality. So we're sitting here saying, oh, we're grieving. Oh, there's despair. Oh, mental health. Oh, we're isolated. Oh, the world, whatever Paul wrote it. And he even gave the prescription practice hospitality, open your doors, open your hearts, open your lives to people and watch what the Lord does through it. Right. Right. Um, I, you know, I, I, you know how we're told to pray for our enemies and we keep waiting Mm. for that to, it's like, well, when that feels fun, then I'll do it. Or Mm. when that um, seems like something I want to do, then I'll do it. And Mm -hmm. I think that there's something to obedience first, feelings Mm -hmm. later, you know, action first, feelings later. Um, So, so hangry, the word hangry, um, that is not a universal term for no reason. There is Mm -hmm. something um, to be said about food calming us, about food Mm -hmm. settling us. It's a real thing. My husband definitely um, learned the words legitimacy early on in our marriage. He would like (laughs) stash snacks. He would pack snacks. (laughs) He would carry cheese sticks. Um, So like have a piece of cheese and chill is a very commonly used phrase in in our home. Um, I'm, I'm writing that down. Have a piece, have a of, piece cheese of cheese and chill. And chill. Um, Ours are str- we do string cheese. We have we have a whole entire bin in my refrigerator of mozzarella tre- of mozzarella cheese sticks. You know the stringy kind yes, you can pull course. apart. Goes it's an way. answer for all things. Um, but Unime says that people who are cooked for feel cared for. So, um, I love post-resurrection stories. Um, I love, there's just a lot of drama. It was like, nobody could ever recognize Jesus, um, unless he said their name or broke bread with them. And, um, there were always a lot of meals involved, like post-resurrection. He's like, Hey, do you have anything to eat? Um, I I don't know, maybe resurrection, resurrection makes you hungry, but, um, I, well, it's a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, you would think, <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe not for him, maybe not for him. Maybe it was easy, but, um, but his dearest friends, the mm. one who, who, the ones who left him in his greatest time of need, um, they were likely so overwhelmed with shame for what they did and did not do. And he has breakfast waiting for them on the beach. And I just cannot imagine the emotion of that meal. I actually was physically on that beach once. And I had, I came undone. Like I, the bus had to wait for me. Yes. That Uh, whole region is the most moving 
tender, yes. worshipful place to me. Yes. Um, the bus literally had had to wait on me. Um, and so you <laughs> use Jesus's um, example of hospitality all throughout your book. Do you have a favorite? How can we talk about Jesus's example before we kind of wrap this up and figure out how to follow and figure out what you're hopeful for? Oh, sure. Well, actually, it's it's the Peter. It's Peter on the shore. <laughs> yeah. Um, unbelievable. I mean, just that whole scene. You know. Peter had denied Christ, followed him. I mean, Peter was so passionate. I mean, he was, he was, you know, more is more. And he was die hard until the rubber met the road and he denied Christ. And mm-hmm. I, I just imagine, I just imagine, you know, he went back to what he had done before he knew the Lord fished mm-hmm. after he left it all to go follow him. It's the only and he thing was I'm like, any good at, right? <laughs> you know what? I blew that. Yeah. I'm going to go back to what I know. Mm. And he was fishing. And I just think, how emotional and feeling, um, and fiery that Peter was. And I just think, you know, was he just beating himself up for days? I mean, he was had to have been reliving that. What have I done? Why did I do that? I can't believe it. I'm so embarrassed. I'm so shamed. And to look up, I'm here. I go again. (laughs) And to look up and see Christ resurrected Christ standing on the shore gathering rocks, picking up sticks, building a fire and serving Peter a meal and looking out at him and saying, I've, I've made breakfast for you. Come over here. Um, join me here. Join me around a meal. Join me around the table. I, I can't imagine what that was like to Peter. I can't, I mean, I have really tried to think, was he embarrassed? Was he elated? Did he feel all of it? The weight of all that shame was lifted because Jesus set a table for him and restored his relationship and poured gobs of grace out on his life. Mm -hmm. And then he turns right around and he says, okay, I'm feeding you physical things and spiritual things. And then he turns right around in a hospitality setting where he fed spiritually and, and, and physical food. And he said, now you go feed my sheep. Man. You go do this. That's I am good. modeling for you right here what this looks like mm-hmm. for you going forward. Mm-hmm. As a follower of Jesus, we we see needs. We we recognize spiritual, emotional, and relational needs. We set a table in grace and love. We pull people in, we gather them around common ground food and we just pour it all out and we minister to, and we value the relationship over the food. Jesus didn't have cocktail napkins that had pumpkins on them. He didn't like candles. He didn't, none of that mattered. None of that mattered. Yeah. There was no cloth on the table. I mean, they were on the shore and it was so humble. And the Lord called Peter to restoration over a meal. And then he cast the vision for all of us to feed my sheep, feed people, spiritual food, relational food, emotional food, because it's what satisfies. Yeah. And that is the, that is the meal that, that does me in. 
It thank really you. does. Yeah. Mm. Thank you, Amy. One more thing. Um, you, you talk about people who are worthy of our welcome. Um, yeah. Jesus showed us that everyone is worthy of our welcome. We are living in a lot of political and cultural upheaval right now. Uh, what say you about dividing lines and mm. who's worthy of our welcome? Oh, what to say? <laughs> No big deal, right? What? Is, are we starting that at the end of this podcast? I know, right? That's oh, a whole other right. podcast, is isn't it? Two? Tomorrow? <laughs> um, you know, we were actually, we're studying Ephesians right now um, at Fellowship, my church where we are. And, um, you know, we've gone through the doctrine part of Ephesians and now we're in the, the, the doing part. There's doctrine and the doing or the doctrine and the duty. And now we're into the part about how we live it out. And it just talks about unity, 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 yeah. unity, one, 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 oneness. And I, I just, I, I'm grieved by the world. I'm grieved by, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm grieved by people who claim to know Christ, who are being so absolutely ugly and gross yes, and unkind and are putting, are drawing all kinds of lines in the sand. It, I'll just tell you, that's not in scripture anywhere. Yeah. It's not, it's not how Jesus did it. It is not what he taught us. It is not how he modeled it for people. Now he went in Pharisees were his opposition. Zacchaeus, his opposition. Mm-hmm. He dined with them. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't pick it. Yeah. He didn't, good. he didn't not shop at their stores. Right. He didn't not talk to them at the corner when they were all putting mail in the mailbox or dragging their um, trash bins to the corner. Mm. He shared a meal with mm. the opposition. Yeah. That's how we did it. It's good. It's and really good. I think another thing too is, and I think this is what the conservative world, the evangelical Christian community is so scared of. And this is what everybody needs to hear me say. Our proximity to people who are different, who are for, with people who are different than us, who voted differently, who live differently, who fly a different flag than we fly. Our proximity comes with a purpose. And I think people are so terrified that by having dinner with somebody who's different than they are means that you're condoning their choice. And I don't see that. I don't see Jesus ever condoning the Pharisees. He, he still met with them. He engaged with them in conversation and relationship. Um, he did it time and time again. Yeah. And he, you know, he, he just went in, he just yeah. went in. And, and I just think that we're just going to have to get over that hump. And yeah. if we always, we love to say we want to be Jesus in the world where if we are, then we build relationships with people who are different than us. And we drop the rope. Everyone is in a tug of war. Mm-hmm. Believers in Christ should drop the rope. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think you're right that uh, conservatives think they're condoning and progressives are uh, think that they're complicit. Uh-huh, so if uh-huh. if we meet anyway, well, then I'm condoning. Yeah. If we meet anyway, well, then I'm complicit. And uh-huh. what I hear you and Jesus saying is, go ahead and meet. <laughs> go ahead and bring well, bread just together. Do it. Yeah. I mean, the goal yeah, is the relationships, right? The goal is relationships. The goal is relationships. And if yeah. our, if, if we go back to the gospel travels best on the road of relationships, then we got to build relationships. Yeah. We're not going to get the gospel or the hope of the Lord and, or the truth of scripture into the lives of anybody. If we don't have a relationship with them. And let me tell you, 
They're not listening to you. They're not listening to you yell. They're not listening to you pick it. They're not reading your Facebook posts. That's right. But if you sit down with them and build a friendship and they sense the spirit of Christ in you, that becomes interesting and curious and appealing to them. Yeah. And that's, that's where we, that's where we get to show them Jesus and make a grill, you know, make a grilled cheese sandwich or, or buy store-bought, store-bought pasta to take out our curbside and just build relationships and pray in humility and watch how the Lord uses it. It's so simple. Amen. Worthy of our welcome. I loved that so much. Um, okay. So what are you hopeful for Amy before you tell us where to follow and how to find you? Um, is that, what are you hopeful for specifically? Well, you know, I'm in a book season. So if we weren't, if we were just talking any other time, there would be a different hope, but you know, having just put this book into the world, I feel very hopeful. I've prayed and walked and sat and been on my knees holding the book praying that the Lord, oh shoot, here I go again, (laughs) that the Lord would really use this book and its message to change the way that people view life and ministry. Um, And then also that by our choosing to change the way that we live life and do ministry, that it affects the way that your children see it. Mm. And that it will affect the way that their children see it and that gather and give will cultivate generations of generosity and hospitality, because I really think it is one of the sweetest, most strategic ministries that we as believers can take part in. I really do. And so I'm especially hopeful for that. Um, I am hopeful that we will have a good fall because we're as dry as we can be. And I see trees trying really hard to turn red and I'm just so scared. I think they're just going to crunch up and fall. And so I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for a good fall. I watch out the window very expectantly every single day, but I love that. Okay. We just, we need to know how to find more of you. What Uh are you doing? Uh I know that you have your hands in a bunch of different things and we Mm want to know all of them. Okay. You're sweet. Well, I spend most of my time right now on my Instagram because I like to visit and connect with people. And, um, so I am Unamaze. Yes. It's hard to spell. It's E-U-N-A. And if you can get that far, I'm the only one on Instagram. So <laughs> look for, type in the word Una, E-U-N-A, and look for a girl with big blonde hair. That's me. Um, I do spend a lot of time right there. I have my books, of course, in my store. And so I do have a newsletter that we send out that just has like the most important things like where I'm speaking, where I'm going to be, if there's any kind of special, you know, I'm, I'm a retailer too. I mean, a retailer primarily, I'm an author kind of secondarily. Um, So we have some really great experiences. I do these beautiful private dinners um, for people who fly in from all over the country and strangers meet up and we have 16 people for a four course dinner and strangers become neighbors. And it is the most precious thing in the world. I love it so much. Um, and I teach as I go. So it's a cooking class and a beautiful dinner party with strangers. It is just one of the neatest hospitality encounters. We call them supper clubs. Um, so people come in from all over the country and make friends and it's precious to me. Um, and then I also have a new online home and hospitality community yes. called the gathering.amyhannon.com. And it's getting outside of all the algorithms, outside of all the ads, all the suggestions, all the dog videos and 
which I have a ton, I watch a ton of golden retriever videos, but I'm just saying <laughs> like, um, all of that stuff that's kind of coming at you on social media. And it's my own site yeah. where people who are kindred around home and hospitality, family and faith, we're posting recipes. I cooked salmon croquettes in Cajun Alfredo last night, live on my um, feed. We're cooking together. We're making all of our pie crust together on a live zoom call to get ready for the holiday season. Um, I post devotional thoughts. People are sharing pictures of their porches and their favorite pumpkins and people are sharing their favorite ingredients and it's just loveliness. Um, and so I've got that going right now. So just, just a lot of fun things. I just, I'm so I work super, super hard and I, but it's all things that I, cherish and love so much. And I'm, it is never lost on me that I get to do what I love. I know that you probably feel the same. I mean, just, Mm -hmm. it's a real treat from the Lord. Yeah. Well, God bless you, Amy. I pray that you you. never quit gathering people. I pray you Mm -hmm. never quit cooking. Um, I I feel so cared for just following along. So um, so thank you for uh, just sharing Una May with us. Thank you for carrying on her legacy in such a beautiful way. I'm so grateful to have crossed paths. I will be a cheerleader from afar and I hope you come back someday. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Friends, I adore Be A Heart Design. Go ahead and look them up now while you listen and hit follow. Be A Heart Design is committed to creating and experiencing beauty. They create products that walk us through the joys and sorrows of life. Swaddle blankets, wooden puzzles, laptop sleeves, lunch boxes, digital planners, and my very favorite paper planner. This thing does not just keep me organized, but it also keeps me rooted in prayer. Everything that's created is designed to reflect God's goodness. Go to Be A Heart Design on Instagram and BeAHeart.com to check out the many gifts for special occasions. Christmas is just around the corner. Or just pick something up to let someone know that you're thinking of them. Or go pick up something for yourself. You'll love it. Hello, Beefy. Hi, Beefinator. Okay, so I we haven't told this story in like many seasons, but the way that we became friends was in the third grade. And a lot of stars had to align for us to become friends in the third grade because both of our moms were teachers and we mm-hmm. were respectively going to our mom's elementary schools. So where mm-hmm. they taught, we went to school. Neither of those schools were in the neighborhood school district, right? And right. so at the same time, these two women who did not know each other both made a decision for the end of their second grade daughter um, to put them in the local school, their neighborhood's school. And my grandpa had always told my mom, she was fretting about what to do that year for me in school. And my grandpa told her, you never know, Allison might have a best friend five blocks further than she's allowed to ride her bike. That is exactly what happened? And so we were in the same third grade class. We're in the same third grade class. And then on the first day of school, our teacher, which was, you know, now that I think about it, I'm kind of judging on the first day of school. She asked everybody to just like find a partner um, yeah. and you and I were brand new. And so we didn't know anyone. And so there was that awkward moment. And I looked over to you and asked you to be my reading partner. Okay. So what beef is very generously leaving out is that, <laughs> that when the teacher says to me, um, find a reading partner, well, to all of us, but my response to this, you know, 
this assignment, this action item of, hey, stranger, find a reading partner is to like crawl inside my desk. I'm like staring at my shoes, begging for a hole to appear for myself to disappear in. And Beefy is like an opportunity to make friends. <laughs> and she raises her little blonde head and scans the room for new friendship. <laughs> okay. To be clear, I do not recall any of those details, but I will take them all day, every day. What I remember is that starting from that day um, and then for the next 33 years, you have um, clothed me, fed me, <laughs> taken me in, put my makeup on. Um, I mean, it, I just started living at your house, right? After I asked yeah. you to read with me. Um, but I you- love this on the topic of hospitality because I am like yeah. really loyal once we're friends, like it's, it becomes ride or die. It, but, but you are so open. You are, mm. you have. And so I feel like I loved what Amy said about, hospitality is a command. Like we are all Mm -hmm. commanded to do it. Mm -hmm. And so we can take the ways that God has made us and we can be hospitable in our own ways, you Mm -hmm. know? And so like, I even look at our two moms, our houses were both very hospitable, but they were hospitable in very different ways. You tell how my mom was hospitable and then I'm going to tell how your mom was hospitable. Okay. So at Allison's house growing up, you were guaranteed to wake up in the morning with a box full of Shipley donuts at your feet. And you, if I'm lying, I'm dying. Like it, it sounds probably crazy warm. It was li- I was going to say warm. And then I was like, is that a stretch? And I'm trying to, I'm trying to be totally, totally honest. They were warm. Um, and like lots of kinds of donuts. The twisty ones were my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would have gone to bed or right before bed, we would have been rifling through bags of gummies that we would have gotten at the place in the mall, you know, where there's not cannabis and we would go <laughs> yeah. um there's lots of candy lots of yummy snacks lots of donuts lots of um quilts right quilts always everywhere there would be movie watching and yeah. your mom would be like covering us up with like multiple quilts as we were snuggled up on your couch um yes. candles always candles burning mm-hmm. um that were appropriate for the season um but yes just a yeah. very very warm welcoming overflowing yes. with all the things home. Larry and Sherry really know how to make someone feel welcome in their home. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so Beverly was a different animal because <laughs> she, I, your mom was more strict out of the two of ours. Like mm-hmm. you were going to be more likely to not be able to go or to have to finish like a list of chores beforehand. But I tell you what, Beverly specialized in celebration Like Beverly (laughs) really enjoyed a party. And so your house was the slumber party house Mm -hmm. of all houses. Mm -hmm. And she, this was not um, haphazard. This was very intentional because Mm -hmm. she made us feel like we had ultimate freedom and we're not being supervised. But I tell you, that woman heard every dirty joke I ever told. Now, (laughs) thank goodness she never like told my mom. She would just talk to me. She would pull me aside and be like, hey, I heard what you said, you know, but it was so it was so loving. And it was, you know, the um, there's something for a kid about feeling like you have a lot of independence and yet needing some structure, you know. And so she just really nailed that balance. Mm -hmm. We had the best, like just such amazing memories, um, of slumber parties at your house. So fundamental to my childhood. Okay. So, so really quick before we sign off, 
how are you making your house hospitable to your kids' friends? Because I feel like I've maybe, I don't read a lot of parenting books. Actually, now that I have teenagers, I do. But when they were little, the one thing that I read that really, really stuck with me was make your house the house. Like you want Mm -hmm. people to gather at your house. And I know that that's something that's important to both of us. How are you trying to make that happen for real? Well, I mean, first, I think I'm just trying to say yes whenever they want to have a friend over, yeah. whether it's convenient mm. or not, right? Just nice. to, to start that, right? And, so good. and say yes first. Um, and I, and I, I love, I'm, I definitely have that, my mom and me, right? I love to mm-hmm. entertain and have the kids, even yes. when it feels crazy. There's something I can always sleep better with a house full of kids. Um, <laughs> and then I, one thing that I'm doing, and, and they might be borderline getting too old for it, but so far it's worked out is um, whether it's, my 13 year old son or my nine year old daughter, when they have a friend over, I try to connect with the friend, um, usually around bedtime, if they're spending the night and just say, um, do you feel comfortable is those words? Do you feel comfortable? And is there something that you have at your house that you don't have here right now that would make you feel better? Mm. And usually they say no, but there's this, this kind of like, Mm, Thinkle of like you see me and yeah. I, and that is comforting that you asked if I was yeah. comfortable. There's there's um, energy in the question. Yeah. Right. So, so I don't know. Maybe at some point they'll start to like roll their eyes and snarl at me, but so, so far, even with the 13 year olds, it's going over well. So yeah. Um so you? my thing it's I love this because we're marrying mirroring our moms, but mm-hmm. mine is having a ton of food around. Yeah. It's like yep. <laughs> There are bins of of snacks and yeah, a lot of times they reach for the healthy stuff, but I have the other stuff too. Um, yeah, you do. And then my mom was always big to like um, hug you without invitation. <laughs> Like she was, <laughs> she was way. gonna. I know that I might want to take that back, but like she was gonna leave her red lips on your cheek yes. somewhere, you know. 1, and so I'm just really affectionate with um our, them. You know, I try to use terms of endearment. I call everybody mm-hmm. baby or sweetie or sweetheart or you know whatever. And so um I think that you know, and and Silas, my oldest, can he used to be really afraid of. I don't know, just the mommyhood of that, like the, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but the thing is, is that everybody wants to be mothered. I want to be mothered. Sure. We yeah. all want to be mothered. And there's something about a squeeze around the shoulders and a, Hey babe. And mm-hmm. do you want this, these chips ahoy that right. really, really works. And it just, it keeps them cut. Like our house has become the house and I'll take it. Love it. Yeah. Love it. My kids are always up for the uh, family side bo- box of Lucky Charms at your house as well. Oh, yes. Sugar cereal works <laughs> great for your kids. Okay. Um, sorry. Real quick. We have to talk about Amy because her energy and her commitment to mm-hmm. helping other people do this because this it, yeah. it is hard for me. It is a stretch for me. I'm an introvert. I like my space. And they're, the way that she puts it makes me feel um, really convicted to to be better at kind mm-hmm. of swinging my door open. Oh yeah. No, I feel like she kind of energized me for the holidays. Um, Mm -hmm. I got excited about thinking about what's to come and I was convicted by her talking about, you know, when hospitality, uh, or that hospitality shouldn't be entertaining, right. That there's Mm -hmm. something different about that. And I have definitely started to, um, just in, in a very busy season that we're in right now, um, shift to being more focused on entertaining. And I actually, um, I'm not hosting Thanksgiving this year for the first time in forever, as you know. Um, but it was cause I just needed a, a second and kind of a, a restart. Um, and so mm-hmm. I'm actually really, really excited about going to Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, and then thinking about hosting some things at Christmas. Um, yeah. Once I kind of get my priorities and head back in order. So yeah. um, she, I will definitely be following her for more inspiration and encouragement. 
Yeah. Uh, she just has a really succinct way of putting things that I love so much. So she's a, mm-hmm. she's a fun follow for sure. Okay. Absolutely. Thanks, Beef. Love you. Love you. Bye. Thank you so, so much for listening. Thank you for being here. A very special thank you to all guests and sponsors. A really special thank you to Taylor Schroll for mixing and editing. For more content, you can head over to Instagram at Allison M. Sully and TikTok at Sullivan Family TikTok. You can also check out Forte Catholic and subscribe there where you have a 25% chance of hearing me co-host. I am so grateful for all of the love and support that we offer each other here. Today's show was a production of Allison Sullivan in conjunction with the Forte Catholic Podcast Network. For more great Catholic podcasts, head on over to ForteCatholic.com slash podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.